0: Welcome to episode 49 of the Listening Brain Podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome Sarah Strievel to the podcast. Sarah is a mom to a CMV angel. CMV, of course, is cytomegalovirus. After losing her three-year-old daughter, Bella Dawn, to congenital CMV, Sarah Strevel set out to change things for future CMV families in Kentucky. Sarah became a community chairperson for the National CMV Foundation. She helped to spearhead a focus group in her state that worked for two years toward implementing a new CMV policy. In April of this year, Kentucky became the fifth state to pass legislation providing CMV education to expectant mothers and targeted CMV testing for Kentucky newborns. It is my pleasure to welcome Sarah to this podcast. Well, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Let's let's start at the beginning and introduce yourself and, and let's talk about your daughter, Bella.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, I am Sarah Strievel and I'm from South Central Kentucky and um, I am an advocate for congenital CMV. I actually work for the National CMV Foundation as a community chairperson for the state of Kentucky. um, And I also work with Kentucky Hands and Voices as a guide by my side for CMV families in the state of Kentucky. Um, But we'll start with Bella. Sure. Bella was born in two thousand and seventeen on in February, and it was a perfectly normal pregnancy, no complications. She was scheduled for a C-section, but that was the plan that was due to having a prior C-section, no complications whatsoever in this pregnancy. Um, we did not know anything was wrong until I came out of the recovery. After this section uh, they met us in the hallway when they were willing me out and told us that Bella was very sick. Um, mm-hmm. They did not know what she had at that point. Um, they mm-hmm. said that her liver and her um, spleen were both enlarged, which was indicative of some type of infection. She had petechiae. All over her body, which was also indicative of some type of infection, uh, mm-hmm. but they didn't know what. Um, she had her blood platelets had like bottomed out. They're supposed to be like around 200, 300, and hers were in the 20s. So mm-hmm. they knew that she was very sick. They just didn't know what from. They told us that they were going to life flight her out and she was going to go to the nearest. Children's Hospital, which is in uh, Louisville. It was two hours north of us. Um, We ended up at NICU and Norton's Children's for about two weeks. It took us three days to actually get a diagnosis. Um, That was the wait time for the blood work to come back and all the results. And we found out that she was born with congenital cyclomegalovirus, also known as CMV. Um. This was astounding because we had never heard of this disease. Like, this mm-hmm. was out of the blue. Is it what are you talking about? What, this is not anything we had ever heard of. They started handing us some information. I think we got like a one page printout from the CDC that talked about what CMV was. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these doctors kept coming in the room, everyone telling us, um, the possibilities, no one can mm-hmm. really give mm-hmm. us a prediction or a prognosis, but all they just gave us the possibilities. So what we did know was that at birth, due to CMV, she was born with calcifications on her brain. Uh, she was born with microcephalia, so small head, mm-hmm. and also polymicrogyria, poly- which just means that she has extra folds in her brain. Uh, it that causes extra space between her brain and the skull. Um, that causes more risk for seizures. Is what the concern was. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not know at the time, but she was born profoundly deaf. Um, at the time, we that was kind of on the the bottom of our priority list, and sure. and we honestly thought she was responding to sounds, and it wasn't evident at birth. Um. We got to leave the NICU only because they gave us um, antivirals, which um, helped her to be able to overcome the initial virus. So the virus was so strong in her body at birth that it was eating her blood platelets just as fast as they could give them to her. So mm-hmm. they were doing blood platelet transfusions every other day while at the NICU. Uh, once we got the antivirals in her system, it took, I think, about a week for that to to take effect and to fight off the virus enough that we could stabilize her blood platelets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that point they let us go home. We were still under doctor's directions and we were still going back and forth to level like every week. But we were allowed to take her home. Um, it was about three months before we found out that she was completely deaf. And probably six months before we found out she was having seizures. Or actually got those diagnosed. So our seizure journey was probably the most significant. Um, we did gain a few more diagnoses on the way. We, we got a cerebral palsy diagnosis. Um, but we ended up with lennox gastot syndrome, which is a very rare seizure disorder, um, which basically just means she had every form of seizure that there is.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, she would have some of those at the same time. Sometimes they would be one after another. Um, mm. And sometimes we'd have seasons of certain types, and then it would change to something else. Um, but seizures were a big, big deal for us. Um, that was the most difficult to... Control, um, mm-hmm. but all of this was as the result of her being born with cyclomegalovirus. Um, Bella received cochlear implants when she was a year old, mm-hmm. um, actually just before her first birthday. Because we were super excited, we got to activate those mm-hmm. on her first birthday, which oh, was really nice. cool. Mm-hmm. So she got to celebrate her her hearing birthday with along with her first birthday. <laughs>
0: That's nice. Um,
1: Bella loved to hear, loved to hear. Bella was all about music and sounds. Mm -hmm. She loved to listen to the wind blow outside (laughs) and the birds. She loved to be outside, period. Um, Bella loved water. She was a super happy child until she Wanted something or didn't want something. (laughs) And (laughs) then she let us know. She was very opinionated. Uh, She knew what she wanted and what she liked.
0: (laughs) Sure, sure.
1: So Bella passed away three years ago this April. So in about two weeks, I will be the anniversary. Mm. Um, She had just turned three years old. Um, We... We never really got a prediction of, like, a timeline, a lifeline for her. The doctors were never really able to predict that. Um, The complications the virus caused for her didn't have a lot of prognosis. You know, like seizures, it it could, you know, they could pass with one seizure or they could have seizures their entire life. You know, Mm -hmm. there was no real prediction on timeline for her. But... um, Uh, She started having a lot of seizures. Uh, Seizures were uncontrolled. So we knew that time was getting short Um, around October 2019. Mm -hmm. We got the diagnosis that she was having like multiple. She was having anywhere from 50 to 100 seizures a day sometimes. Mm. Um, We didn't see them all, but... That's still what was happening in her brain. So we knew that time was going to be short. Um, we spent as much time as we could with her and made her as happy and comfortable as we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she passed away on April the 7th, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it was her passing that that threw me into advocacy. Mm-hmm. Of course, while she was here, we didn't have a lot of time for, for things like that, uh, even though we sure. were very passionate for it. Um. So, with the loss of her, um, we jumped in on the uh, legislative
0: mm-hmm.
1: track. That's that's kind of where we started. Um, <laughs> I did join the National CMV Foundation, but yeah, you know, all of this was as a part of pursuing a legislative change. Mm-hmm. So we did start pursuing Bella's bill, is what we called it. Mm-hmm. Um, just after her death, and Bella's bill was to implement universal CMV testing for the state of Kentucky, and also education about CMV to other expectant families. Mm-hmm. Now, that was something we were very passionate about. It was something that you know we wasn't educated about, and you know we get hit with this realization only after our child was diagnosed that this even exists Mm. so that was very difficult for us and we would like to save other people from having that same experience so um, that's what we pursued and we pursued that for about two years before we actually got it completely through Uh, we did get legislators that were on board We're very excited about that, excited about our supporters. We put together a workforce that was phenomenal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We had people from um, a lot of different branches. So we had pediatricians and we had audiologists. Um, Kentucky Hands and Voices played a really big part. Um, People from... um, uh, From the KDS and from I'll start throwing out acronyms and I'll, I'll get messed <laughs> up, but, <laughs> sure. but we had a lot of supporters and that was really amazing. A lot of people that, that wanted to see change to CMB. That mm-hmm. was the main thing. And, um, so our task force, we just, we met like once a month, sometimes we met more frequently, but mm-hmm. our goal was to, to get this bill passed. Um, we started by education, so we started educating both the general public and legislators all at the same time. Um, we've done a few webinars. We've done some press releases. We've put out brochures. Um, I have went and talked at events. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kind of pursued the, the education part really heavy for the first year. Uh, We did make a presentation that very next spring to the Senate. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, However, the Senate at the time decided to table it for that year. They wanted more information. So we were invited to come in the summer and talk before the Senate and the House. That was amazing. We got to go and speak and tell them more about CMV, what CMV looked like in the state of Kentucky, um, at this point, we had actually collected about 50 families in the state of Kentucky,
0: mm-hmm. all
1: who have had children or have children currently with a CMV diagnosis. And so we took the, the those families, we took the videos and the photos and the stories, we took those to Frankfurt so that people could see, you know, what this was. It's just not one child. This is this is a lot of kids. These are a lot of families that this is affecting and we wanted them to see that. Um it was really awesome that within 2 years we actually made it all the way through that legislative process yeah, that's and fast. Bella's yeah. law. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes it was. Mm-hmm. Bella's law was signed in officially on April the 7th, 2022, which was 2 years her 2-year anniversary of her passing. So that oh, was wow. That was pretty cool. So, yeah, we're coming up on the first full year of having Bella's Law. Um, we did have to compromise a little bit. We didn't get our universal screening. Um, currently, we have targeted screening. Um, we, of course, want to still pursue universal at some point. Sure. But we felt it was uh, important to go ahead and get this in the books and started. Well,
0: that's a that's an amazing Journey that you went on and uh, and led there, exactly. so that's amazing. Let's let's talk for a moment about some of the education that yes. probably needs to happen in terms of CMV, and let's let's talk about what it does in a sense, what Definitely. happens. Because I've worked with families that have children with CMV, have couples that I'm working with right now. And it's uh, what's always been surprising for me is is sort of the the range of uh, issues that can come out, diagnoses that can come out, and how it affects one child can be very different than how it affects another child. Yes. Um, so, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit more about the disease itself and 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 the virus and and how it presents differently. Absolutely.
1: So, what I know about CMV is that that is a a virus, much like having a—I'm um, trying to think. Uh, I think they—they uh, they say it could be anything, like a cold or the flu, mm-hmm. or and and to us, to the general public, uh, it, it's not dangerous. You know, 80 percent mm-hmm. of us are walking around with CMV. Most toddlers are walking around with CMV right now, Um, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't affect anybody. You don't know that you have it. Um, You shed it. You don't even know. You may not even be sick. You may not have any signs of being sick. The danger is to a woman who is pregnant because Mm -hmm. CMV does go through placental walls. There is no protection for that. And once it goes through those placental walls, that infant, that unborn infant doesn't have an immune system to fight the virus off like we do. So when they don't have an immune system to fight it off, um, that will affect the development of the child. So the severity of this disease often differs based upon when you contact CMV. And some people actually might know that, like they may have mm-hmm. a sickness during their pregnancy and they might could pinpoint, hey, this is when I got sick. However, for me, it wasn't, I I had no sickness. There was no point in my pregnancy that I could pinpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, Due to the severity of her symptoms, uh, we do believe that was in the first trimester. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of the times with these kids, we can go back and look at what the severities look like, and we can kind of determine a timeline as to when that person contacted it, whether the first, second, or third trimester usually. Um the more severe side, uh, Bella is going to be on one of the more severe side. Uh, mm-hmm. However, we didn't know this until probably our second year in. This mm-hmm. is kind of the unique about this this diagnosis and these this set of diagnoses is that there's not a lot of understanding of where you are in that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so wide range that until, your child doesn't meet those milestones, then you don't really know how severe this is going to be. So until she was probably a year and a half to two years old, we didn't even realize how severe Bella had CMV. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more severe side you are going to look at, um, a lot of the times there are brain calcifications. Sometimes those are more severe than others. Mm-hmm. Um the polymicrogyria, that's pretty common with CMV. So having the extra folds in the brain, which causes seizures and some abnormalities in the, the brain formation. Um, several I have seen, it's not completely consistent, but I have seen several with microcephalia. Um, I have seen some with the opposite. Is it macro? Cethlia, mm-hmm. I think it is. Right. I have seen a few with the opposite. Most have been micro. Um mm-hmm. that one's not as prevalent. The most prevalent is the hearing loss. Um, when CMV affects the child, um, and the development of the ears. Um, and of course, I've just been given the most basic information <laughs> or de- definition of this, but when it's when those ear in the ear, the cochlear is developing it's like the the hairs that's in the cochlear just don't work they don't do the job they're supposed to do and so a lot of the times what we see is that these kids are born with hearing loss that's degenerative so they actually could be born hearing at birth Mm -hmm. and they could lose completely lose all of their hearing or they could just lose some of their hearing this could be a fast process or it could be a slower process that's the more um that's on that spectrum that that we really don't know until it happens <laughs> we really don't right. know how quickly it's going to happen if it will happen when it will happen um that's one thing that they most of these kiddos will have to follow um with ENT and audiologist for A lifetime you know this is a lifetime thing Um, a lot of the kiddos that I've seen do have um, hearing aids or cochlear implants Um, it's pretty awesome that a lot of these kids are um, able to get cochlear implants they do benefit their kiddos um, based upon the damage that they have from CMV a lot of the times cochlear implants are successful which is really awesome um For us, the cochlear implant decision was based upon the severity of the rest of her diagnoses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Bella had severe um, cerebral palsy. She wasn't going to be able to do sign language, Um, even though we used everything. We was, you know, a total communication family. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, We wanted to give her complete as much access as we could. So a lot of the times, the hearing loss might be the first symptom that that is noticed um, if there is no microcephalia and that kind of thing at birth. Um, mm-hmm. Seizures seem to be very common. Um, the severity of those are vast, once again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen some kiddos who they believe are having seizures yet haven't been diagnosed with seizures because a lot of the time the seizure disorders in these kiddos are more abnormal. They're not traditional looking seizures. Um, They could be anything from like what looks like a a startle reflex to Bella had one that was a dab. (laughs) If you remember Mm -hmm. what a dab looked like, it looked just like a dab. They mm-hmm. actually labeled them in the hospital as dabs because they <laughs> thought it was so cool. So the <laughs> neurology students would come in and they have to see the dabs. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, those wasn't horribly severe and it wasn't doing right. a lot of damage, but <laughs> but it was interesting that she had a dab. So that's just one example of what a lot of the times these seizures don't take the most popular form. Sure. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, So uh, vision can also be an issue. That one seems to be a little spotty. It's not um, a major predictor, but it's another risk that we are often look at if a child is diagnosed with CMB. Um, I've seen a lot of different things in vision. So I've seen children that have diseased eyes. So they can have diseases in behind their eyes. Um, and actually one of the kiddos in Kentucky lost his eye before he was a year old, um, mm. had to have it removed due to disease. Um, a lot of the kiddos, especially in Kentucky that I'm familiar with, <clears throat> have had some type of uh, CVI or partial vision or Spotty vision, it it just kind of, it seems to be pretty vast, but having some type of vision issue seems to be common with the more severe side of CMB.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, There are symptoms at birth. A lot of times those symptoms don't really cause a lot of issues such as like she did have enlarged spleen and liver and all of that. Most of that stuff worked its way out once the virus was in check. So a lot of those beginning symptoms that actually diagnosis with this don't really become a huge issue later. Mm -hmm. Um, The cerebral palsy um, is fairly common too amongst the more severe side of CMV. However, again, that is vastly different. <laughs> so we have a few kiddos that have a few mobility issues. They wear some braces, they wear a- AFOs and that's basically the the severity of their C- cerebral palsy. And then right. we have some who are like Bella that is completely non-mobile. You know, and sh- it affects every limb. So right. it's completely every one of these things are completely hugely vast between one end of the spectrum to the other.
0: Right. Right. And, uh, and, and so if you, what would you like to see in terms of, you know, you, you've had great success in in Kentucky. If you could, if you could make that go national, what would you like to see happening in all the states?
1: Well, as far as in the state of Kentucky We have a bill, we have a law, Mm -hmm. and I feel that that has been successful, but we still don't have what we need, even in the state of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I would like to see more education. Um, They currently are basically meeting the, the requirement for educating expectant families, but not the way that it needs to be we need more education for expectant families um so that's what i would like to see i would like to see that to go you know nationally i'd like to see more education mm-hmm. You know, i feel like when they don't educate and and what we've come across a lot of the times is that they don't want to scare expectant families mm-hmm.
0: yeah i've heard that However, Even with hearing loss that you know the potential yes. for hearing loss you know they don't want to bring up these things that could go wrong right so to speak
1: but i feel like when they do that they're taking they're taking all of our choices away mm-hmm. you know they're not giving us the information and allowing us to make a choice on anything mm-hmm. they're basically just leaving us in the dark until the really hard choices come along and then right. we have to make those you know, nobody gives us a choice then. We have to make those really hard choices. <clears throat> and I would rather have known about this. I would rather, and especially knowing that this can be prevented, you know, this can be avoided. If, if we had more education on the front end about universal precautions and, You know, things not to do when we're pregnant. You know, they tell us all the time we don't take out the kitty litter. We don't eat lunch meat. You know, these are things Mm -hmm. that people know Mm -hmm. and everybody knows and they've all been told by their doctors. Mm -hmm. But nobody knows not to eat after a toddler. Right. Nobody knows. Don't stick that pacifier in your mouth mouth. when you have Mm -hmm. a toddler. Nobody knows this. Like, this is not mm-hmm. common knowledge. Right. That's what I want to see. I want to see these universal precautions because of CMV to become common knowledge. I think that's when we're going to start saving the babies.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a good message. And so what would you say to parents, you know, these kinds of things through those expected mothers? um and fathers do uh but also maybe a a parent who's just received this kind of diagnosis this diagnosis of cmv what would you recommend
1: the very first thing that i would say to them that is it's not your fault because so many of these parents never hear that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and so much of what we're giving them makes it look like it is their fault because you shouldn't have done this or you shouldn't mm-hmm. have done that. Mm-hmm. And so again, these universal precautions, I believe will c- cut down on the number of diagnoses we have of CMB. Yes. But the actual fact is I didn't have a toddler at home.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't have a toddler. I did not work with toddlers. I did not work mm-hmm. with small children. I may have picked this up on, at a, on a shopping cart at sure. the grocery.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, this is not completely preventable. And there is mm-hmm. no way to know how you got this. So the very first thing is that we can't go into this with guilt. You mm-hmm. know, it is not their fault. They need to know that first and foremost. Secondly, they need to know all of the follow-ups and how important these follow-ups are. It is vastly important that we get on top of the hearing and the vision, not just one, but both of them. You know, the little boy that that lost his eye. I don't want to see kids lose their eyes, you know, and that is treatable. That can be treated if it's caught, mm-hmm. but it has to be caught. A lot of these families, <clears throat> especially the ones, um, not in, in, you know, more in a country setting or in smaller towns, uh, they're going and seeing physicians and, and a lot of the physicians don't have a real great understanding about CMV and the severities after the diagnosis. And mm-hmm. a lot of them I've been told, you know, oh, well, we'll follow up with that vision in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 no. Right. You need to be following up every three months. And if your doctor doesn't know this, then you need to find another doctor. Because this needs to be monitored. This needs to be monitored for the first year at least. So just knowing the severities and knowing those first things is really, really important. You know, and finding Mm -hmm. that community, finding Mm -hmm. that's been phenomenal for, for all of the families in Kentucky. I've met several families that had never met another CMV family. And just being able to connect, whether that's virtually now or in person or just knowing they're out there. I have some families that have joined our kind of group, but they don't come to our events like they're they're mm-hmm. doing life, right? They're doing life, sure. but they know we're out here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just being able to know that there's someone else out there has been phenomenal. So reaching out to even the National CMB Foundation, um, you can reach out to them and find other families. They can actually put you in contact with families that are in your state or in your area. Hmm. Um, Having that community, having that partnership with other families, that's been um, an extreme help.
0: And is there, I know there's some, uh, social media groups that are out there is that right
1: there are there are a few social media groups there are some um uh, cmv mommies there's a cmv mommies group on facebook Um, uh, bella has a page if you want to go to bella's bill for cmv uh mm-hmm. we do have a page um we have a facebook page and a website um the national cmv foundation has a link to a lot of different sites um And I send all people there routinely for more information. They have a wealth of information on CMV and upon the follow ups and what to ask your doctor once you've been diagnosed. Um, Yeah, they have a wealth of information there too.
0: And what would you say to some of these uh, professionals you've run into? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which (laughs) ones? Um, and I'm sure there's some wonderful ones you've worked with and others that you wish they had a little more information You know,
1: it seems like, and this is, this is the interesting part, but it seems like when we meet professionals, they're either on one side of the boat or the other. And the ones that are on the other side, the ones who do not think we need universal screening, the ones who think this is... We don't need to scare the parents. <laughs> They've all been trained by the same person. And I don't know where it came from <laughs> <laughs> because they all say the same thing. And it, mm-hmm. it gets frustrating because all of these people seem to have this misguided information. Um, They, they believe that, that CMV is a lot less prevalent than it is. And right. yeah, maybe, you know, maybe we don't see, it's not one in four, right? Right. But it's more than spinal bifida. Right. And and we talk about that one.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: more than Down syndrome. That's right. And we talk about that one, but we're not mm-hmm. talking about CMV. It's one of these things that they, it seems like they want to shove it in the corner and pretend it doesn't exist. And that's, that's not working for our families. It's not right. It's not working.
0: Well, I I remember, yeah, we've
1: had a lot of professionals that have been phenomenal and who have Mm -hmm. been excellent on our pursuit of, of legislative and yeah. But then there's these others that just seem to have some wrong information.
0: Yeah. And I, I recall back in, you know, several years ago now, what two, well 20 25 years ago almost but you know the, the idea of newborn hearing screening was such a a controversial step in that direction of how same the same arguments were made that we don't want to alarm parents you know we don't want to upset them we don't want to scare them and the incidence is so low why do we need to do this i mean there were i mean there were people at conferences standing up and saying this and and papers are written about the incidence is so low. We don't need to do this. And, and thankfully other people kept pushing and it got, it happened and it's changed how we can now intervene in terms of hearing loss. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think we just have to keep educating the people that should know better and, and keep pushing um, like you've been doing in Kentucky and, and hopefully you know, we'll, Get some other states going and and do something on a national level.
1: Yeah, I recently got to uh present at the Eddie conference, mm-hmm. which was fabulous. Um, it was very interesting because after my presentation, uh, the crowd was very interactive. Mm-hmm. And I had several professionals that stood up that were against what I was proposing. Mm. The interesting part was that there was so many, there was enough in the crowd that the crowd was able to answer or debate Mm -hmm. each one of those comments that were made. So I just kind of facilitated the whole thing and and let it play out. But I thought that was Mm -hmm. beautiful because even if we're discussing things that I don't agree with, we have to discuss them. And we were able to get that conversation started. And that's uh, the first mm-hmm.
0: step. <sighs> having the conversation. Exactly.
1: Yes. And yes. being
0: open to it and not just dismissing it, just but having a mm-hmm. conversation about why it's important.
1: Yeah. Let's not pretend it doesn't exist. You know, right. honestly, yeah, you know, this, this disease is compared a lot to Zika.
0: Mm-hmm. I've
1: heard more about Zika than I have CMV,
0: mm-hmm. you know, until my that's daughter true. was
1: diagnosed with it. I heard more about Zika than I did CMV. That's, that's right.
0: sad, that's that, sad, yeah, yeah well, I appreciate your time today. It's been wonderful chatting and and getting to know you a bit better and hearing uh, your story and Bella's story and your family's story, of course. And uh, I just wish you continued success in everything that you're doing. And if you don't mind, you. say one more time how people can reach out either to you or to the national CMV organization
1: yes yes they're welcome to to reach out to me or the cmv foundation um and they can reach out to me through the national cmv foundation um we have a a site on we have a website and we have a facebook page uh it's bellasbill.com or bellasbill for cmv you can search that up and find it uh if they want to contact me you're welcome to look me up on social media also sarah strebel um I'm glad to receive phone calls. I'm glad to receive emails. Um, I'm glad to point people in the right direction.
0: Wonderful. Keep up the great work, Sarah. And thank you again for, for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I want to thank Sarah again for joining me on the podcast. And I want to really just convey my heartfelt sympathy for everything that you've gone through. And I know that it was quite painful to lose a child. That's something I've never done, but I've always heard that it's worse, the worst pain that a parent can go through. But you've turned that pain into a wonderful mission of advocacy of for other families who may have a diagnosis of cytomegalovirus or CMV and just continue the work you're doing on a state and national and hopefully even international level. More families need to understand what CMV is all about and how to prevent it, how to deal with it uh, if there is a diagnosis. So thank you again for all that you are doing and keep up the great work. And thank you listeners for joining me on the podcast uh, for this episode. Please, if you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That always helps us to attract those new subscribers. And if you don't mind, share this podcast with others who you think might benefit from hearing this message. And as always, we really appreciate you listening and everything that you're doing to support the podcast. And with that, we'll see you again in another couple of weeks. And until then, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.